0: Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to our live stream uh, Friday lunchtime Q&A. My name's Nick Samios. Uh, I'm the director and fund manager here at Hermes Capital. Um, I've got three guests joining me today, Darren Anderson from ERA Legal, Patrick Simmons from Hyman's, and Scott Langdon from Cortometha. I'll just introduce them one at a time now, and uh, then we'll get our, uh, our, our live session going. So how are you going, Scott?
1: G'day, Nick. How are you? Very well. Very
0: well. Thanks for having us. Um, what, what have you been up to this week? What's been keeping you busy?
1: I think this week uh, I've been. Uh, I spent most of the week on the phone. Um, it feels like that uh, there's a lot of change going on. There's obviously, a lot of change going on with government decisions, and and people are very much in a reactionary phase, of absorbing uh, what's been uh, thrown at them. And at the moment, there's a lot of conversation about trying to understand what the external environment is, what it means for me. So it's not. no one's being proactive. It's just sort of we're helping people absorb the changing environment, and that's changing on a daily basis. And uh, that's been the biggest uh, piece of my week, talking to stakeholders, pe- talking to businesses around how do we best absorb what's coming from uh, government and uh, other areas.
0: A lot of holding hands, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and, and people... Um, one of the things that will be a theme, I think, throughout today's conversation is that that um we're all very lucky and in a privileged position whereby we deal with challenging environments on a daily basis. We work in crisis and crisis management, and uh, the world is in a crisis at the moment. And uh, we are in a privileged position where where uh, we're used to it, and we can help um companies, but also friends and family work through their individual crises at the moment. And um and we are a really important uh, pillar of society to be able to actually help people work through their challenges. And uh, it's um, a time where people in our industry, our collective industries, really need to step up and and uh, and do the right thing and, and help people through this current phase. And I think a lot of hand-holding this week and, and just bouncing ideas off, like being a sounding board. People don't. There's a lot of people who I speak to haven't found themselves in this situation before. And the benefit they get to bounce ideas off, say, Scott, what do you think of this? Or I've got an idea. How do you think we execute that? Um, that's been my week.
0: Next, I'll uh, introduce Patrick Simmons from Hyman's. Uh, how are you going, Patrick?
2: Good, Good thanks.
0: And what's been keeping you busy this week?
2: Yeah, similar to Scott, sort of 80% of the time on the phone um, and probably a little bit more time out of the office, about eight, about 20% out seeing people and doing valuations as we normally do. Um, we're still running our onla- online auctions and there was a bit of transition last week in this to move those programs across to online only and to make sure we're complying with um, the new regulations about social social distancing um, and and um, deliveries and things like that um, but yeah and a few a few new insolvency jobs in and some still some pre-finance as well so a very similar blend to what we normally do surprisingly interesting
0: yeah it's a new pre-finance as well i mean i've been told by finance brokers that they're certainly settling deals that were uh, in the pipeline you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, and there is some new stuff coming through. Must be interesting going on site with all of this social distancing.
2: Yeah, we have had to bring in some new precautions to keep number one, the staff safe, but also people that we're meeting on site. So we do have a a new process that we're releasing to anyone, as I'm sure a lot of our um, other valuers out there are doing to make sure that we are ticking all those boxes. I guess for us, it's about still being able to, having the freedom of movement, around, but also being able to do what we need to do to give a report to clients that need that professional information.
0: Uh, introducing our, our, our fourth panellist, uh, Darren Anderson from ERA Legal. G'day, Darren. Good afternoon, Good afternoon Nick. What, what's, what's been keeping you busy?
3: Um, this week, mainly um, keeping the staff engaged, ma- making sure the staff working from home have plenty to do. Um, keeping in contact with them, making making sure that um, they're adjusting okay. And on the client front, um, answering clients' questions about a lot of the misinformation and perhaps half information that is out there. There's a lot of confusing information out there and there's a lot of wrong information. Right. Um, uh, uh, people think uh, uh, there's been a lot of legislation passed. Uh, the fact is most of the legislation that... Uh, has been indicated has not yet been passed for example the um the new rules in relation to the six-month um uh, inability to um, terminate uh, residential and retail leases isn't actually in place yet um, right. they pass passed some legislation but the The minutiae of that legislation is not in place yet. Uh, It will come, but uh, we're looking for it daily. But
0: um, a lot of things have been
3: announced. Sorry, is that the big
0: misconception? I mean, that's interesting. Um, uh, um, What what are the other sort of big misconceptions legally?
3: Um, Just just exactly what uh, has been put in place? Yeah, because there's been a lot of announcements. So this is this is. Uh, the government are announcing a lot of changes, but a lot of those changes haven't actually been made yet. Right.
0: Um,
3: Essentially what the government's done is they've passed omnibus legislation, which essentially gives the relevant minister or department head um, the ability to um, pass legislation um, by simply gazetting it uh, in the government gazette, which is quite extraordinary. There are extraordinary powers in the hands of Ministers now that have uh, that they've never held before.
0: So what I'd like to do is go round the r- round to us all and just ask um, what what are the what's the most common questions that people are asking? Maybe starting with you, Scott. What what are the questions that you face the most this week?
1: Yeah, thanks, Dick. Uh, the, the number one question I've been asked uh, this week is how do we forecast? Uh, how do we do a cash flow forecast in the current environment where there's just a plethora of uncertainties both external factors and internal factors. And uh, it's a really really good question to be asking and it's the right question to be asking because every business should be looking at their cash flow forecast uh, right now. And some of the advice that we would give uh, broadly around that or the conversations that I've been having is that, and uh, people who have worked with me before will have heard this phrase, but we've got to eat the elephant one bite at a time. If you try and eat the elephant all at once, you're going to get indigestion. And, uh, and, and it's a big task trying to forecast with so much uncertainty out there. So um, it's about isolating each risk and uh, putting thought around each truth and reach each element and then determining what the controllables are of it and the uncontrollables of it. And this will come to a, a concept we'll talk about probably a little bit a bit later on. But people who are in charge of businesses at the moment need to be incredibly time savvy and spend their time doing high value activities, not just... Being busy for the sake of being busy, where am I spending my time that's going to help me position my business, not only to survive and thrive. So putting into controllables and uncontrollables is a really important discipline straight off the bat when you're thinking about your cash flow forecast. Um, The second point I I would make is that um, you've got to get a baseline cash flow forecast and determine what that looks like. And uh, the baseline cash flow forecast should be your worst case possible. And, um, and once you've got your worst case, we then sensitize each of the controllable and uncontrollable risks, and then have maybe three different uh, sensitized cash flows that look over the next um, 13 weeks, which is really important.
0: That, and that's with that dialogue, yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Controllables and uncontrollables uh, and a baseline cash flow. I mean, how, yeah, look... It's a bit like how long the of print. Nobody really knows how long this is going to go for. But you think that thirteen weeks is a is a is a starting point?
1: Yeah, none of us know how long it is, but thirteen weeks is is a time frame that I would be spending my time looking at because you can pull and pull uh, You can pull and push things within that thirteen weeks. But within that thirteen weeks, one of the keys that I'd be telling anybody who would listen is that whatever you think it's going to be today, it's important to accept it's going to change in a week's time and not get frustrated by it. So your cash flow is an active management tool that every day you wake up, it's the first thing you should look at the morning. You should tweak, what do I need to change? And then replan it out because it's nothing wrong with getting it wrong because you're probably going to get it wrong. It's accepting it's going to change, but actively and proactively working your cash flow on a daily basis is absolutely critical. And uh, and once you have that sort of baseline cash flow, uh what, what should happen is that when you engage with your external stakeholders, you should be able to engage with a lot more clarity and a lot more confidence. And when you engage with your stakeholders with clarity and confidence, you're more likely to be able to get what you want or be able to influence an outcome. So um, I think the cash flow forecast makes you think deeply about your controllables and uncontrollables, proactively work it, and then you can uh, externally engage with a lot more clarity.
0: Okay, interesting, um, and, and I guess uh, um, how, and, and if if someone's presenting you with a cash flow, because obviously you, you know one of your roles is to uh, is uh, to be engaged by banks and to to review cash flows, and if if, if the bank uh, is asking you to look at a client and they throw a cash flow uh, on the table for you to look at in these times, I mean, what are what are some of the first places that you go to to look for um, for uh, you know reliability of that cash flow?
1: Obviously, the architecture of the cash flow is really important. Uh, the, the stronger the architecture, the the easier the review is. So um, spending time getting the strong architecture in place around a cash flow is importantly critical. And so thought goes into what the inputs are. Um, the second point I'd make is, especially in the current environment, I'd be spending a lot of time uh, looking at your debtors. Now, debtors are uncontrollable in the current environment. Uh, and as you're nodding, nodding away, Nick, and uh, that um, I would spend a lot of time focusing on 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 each of the debtors. What are their payment terms? Are there risks associated? What are my leverage points? Because before I get money, I need money in before I can pay money out. And uh, and I I'd be spending a lot of time understanding the docu- the detailed documentation you picked up on it in one of your uh, earlier calls making sure that we've got the right invoicing. I'd make sure my inflows are as strong and underst- un- as well understood as possible and there is a clear plan behind it. And that's the 80-20 rule. You know, spend time where it really, really matters.
0: Patrick, um, what what are the questions you're getting asked the most this week? Oh, I've got a good one um, for you when you
2: tell me. Well, you've got another one for me. Um, probably the most common one is, are you still selling assets? So I don't think the questions as much, um, are options still occurring? It's more... Are assets actually selling when they're offered um, and that's a question right from funders that have maybe some clients that are, are shaking a little bit or people that have um stock that they're already trying to sell um and stuff that we're holding but yeah we're, we're seeing things are moving um moving okay obviously there's some areas that came to a grinding halt um such as catering hospitality uh, assets that go in licensed venue that's probably no surprise um but yeah a lot of we're seeing a lot of businesses being um smart about branching out we've got a printing company that came to us and bought um so some bottling equipment they're going to start doing some hand sanitizer uh, type um, packaging and and sales which i think is pretty pretty smart um and also some labeling stuff that's going to businesses that wouldn't normally as people being um inventive people coming up with new ways to to change what they're doing to suit the market um and also transportation is also pretty strong. We're seeing a lot of businesses that move move stock and move goods uh, ramping up, particularly for trucks and for refrigerated trailers. We're seeing uh, sales for late model stuff stay pretty strong. Right. Um, but I don't think the trends have changed too much from, from the end of last year. Um, the government's still pushing pretty hard to get those construction, construction sites and mining unaffected. Um, so sales are reflecting that. Okay. I
0: mean, one question I've got is, I mean, how do you value an asset in this, in this environment? How do you know? You're, people are turning up, well, proverbially turning up to buy stuff. So I guess you're still getting sales figures. I mean, if I to yeah, value a, a Kenworth prime mover, uh, what, what's the basis for that in this market?
2: Yeah, I think we're tightening up some of the normal factors that we look at. Um, you know, normally we would look at a, a truck that was under ten years old might be might be pretty strong, whereas now we're dragging that down to sort of more around the five.
0: No, <laughs> over to you. What are you getting asked the most uh, this week? Um,
3: fr- from my commercial clients, um, what are the banks going to do when all this is over? So, the clients are um, the sophisticated clients are saying. Well, it's all good. The banks are giving us a a payment holiday, but it's only a payment holiday. It's it's not uh, a payment forgiveness. So, at the end of this crisis, whenever it ends, uh, the bank's going to want their money back. They're going to want the um, the interest that has accrued during the six month period back as well. And the primary concern by a number of the commercial clients who hold uh, substantial uh, real property assets, is uh, the banks are going to revalue the assets at the end of the crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. So asset values are going to come down. So what's the bank's attitude going to be then? Now, my advice to them is is very simple. If, you, if your business was strong, if you had an underlying strong business before um, this crisis, then the banks will work with you and you'll survive. You'll come out of it. It'll it'll be a struggle, might take a couple of years, uh, but the banks are not going to, in my view, are not going to shut down um, businesses um, that uh, were strong prior to this crisis but have suffered through no fault of their own through the crisis. On the other hand, if you had a business which was struggling, um, you probably won't survive it when we come out. You might get a payment holiday, you might have six months not to have to worry about insolvent trading, uh, but you won't survive the crisis. So if you are one of those businesses that was struggling before the crisis, now's the time to start planning uh, about what you're going to do in terms of restructuring your business when you come out. You don't need to make an appointment today or tomorrow, um, but uh, there's no rush. um, But you're going to, now is the time to start thinking
0: about it. I mean, the, the insolvency process is a little bit in abeyance at the moment, I suppose, yeah. with demand well, and kick down the road. And This
3: might upset, it upset some of my insolvency practitioner clients, but I think the federal government has legislated a six-month holding docker for all businesses already. Yeah. So the government um, um, has said to uh, all corporations and in fact sole traders uh, whilst this crisis is on you don't need to worry about um insolvent trading because unless your insolvent trading has a criminal element or is to use the government's term egregious now yeah. i'd like to see someone approve prove egregious in court yeah. um, then you can't be prosecuted for insolvent trading during this crisis um yeah. they've increased the time for um, compliance with the statutory demand from three weeks to six months. Same for bankruptcy notices. So essentially, um, um, the government's put in a safe harbour protection for
0: the next six
1: months. Um,
0: The thing is, though, if you're out of money, you're out of money. But, uh, look, yeah, I mean, any comments to that, Scott? I'll
1: pick up. um, Yeah, Darren's comment is that... um, just because you, you're not going to get uh, in trouble for insolvent trading, we can't forget the fact that you still are insolvent. And uh, and I think if you look at the results on the, the ASX uh, for December 31 uh, last year, the results was broadly worse or the worst since we've had the GFC. So there is a a lot of stress in the industry before we had this crisis come through. And um and delineating between it not being illegal to trade while insolvent, but the fact is. You're still insolvent. Yeah. I think that um, uh, what will play through, and what I um, what I I think should play through is that if there are zombie companies or or companies that are you know, highly stressed prior to the crisis, mm. this um six months window is a really good time for an elegant dismount and uh, an unwind, which looks after people's interests because um, you still have creditors. And they still have, uh, and you still have other stakeholders to look after. So this concept of an elegant dismount during this next six months for for um, companies that were already financially stressed, I think I think there's a social good about it um, because you do have uh, you're looking after other people's money. And I
3: agree with that 100%. Scott, this is the this is a time for those companies who had uh, businesses that were struggling prior to the crisis to have the time and think through and work out a plan how to best restructure or shut down their company um, with the least amount of pain uh, possible so, and they should start thinking about it now you don't have to do it next week but this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to to use uh, scott's phrase to have an elegant dismount it's interesting
0: because i want to i want to go to some newspaper headlines uh that, that, I, that i've got here to talk about I, i'm seeing a lot of moral hazard um you know, there's, for example uh, look, let, let's go to it and then we'll talk about the elegant dismount and and the moral hazard uh, as we get there and let me so the first headline i've got here is government shouldn't rescue airlines or super funds from their own ineptitude um so, without wanting to sort of name names, I mean, I think the issue is you know, should the government be bailing out businesses? Um, if uh, should should the government be bailing out businesses that were maybe doomed to fail in the first place, or should they instead be encouraging them to elegantly dismount?
3: Nick, can we can we add football clubs to that to that um, headline? Um, <laughs> the NRL, for for argument's sake.
0: Well, I'd rather maybe talk about rugby, but we're going to start getting into religion now. We shouldn't discuss religion or politics. If you've got two businesses competing head-to-head, I remember I, years ago I had two transport businesses. It was very specialised. I don't want to say what the area of transport was because I don't want to identify them. But, you know, one of them uh, I financed and, we, you know, through our funding we paid their tax and all the rest of it. The other one went through a voluntary administration process and, you know, basically reduced all of their their tax debt to 10 cents of the dollar. There is that kind of moral hazard, do you
1: think? I think that uh, I think we'll see probably slightly angling differently is that is that, uh, is that we will see a lot of companies enter into voluntary administration through this next, I think, post-30 June period as a way of reconstructing their business. And if we go back to the early 90s when the voluntary administration process was first Adopted in the Corpse Act, it's all about rehabilitation and uh, coming out the other side. And um, I think that government is in a really challenging position and, uh, mm-hmm. and support. But yeah. um, I think that uh, I think that people will use, to your transport example, the the voluntary administration process to tighten up their business, straighten it up a little bit, and hopefully come out a rehabilitated and uh, a company that can sustain for the longer term
0: okay uh, now my next headline here is economy won't take flight shackled to zombies so it's it's on a related topic I suppose I mean what do things look like in in six say we say we're well up drill in six months time you know the payment holidays are over uh, you know the courts start filling up with um, statutory demand legal action Um you know, what does that look like with, with the healthy companies and the companies that, that, um, that are maybe all of a sudden their legacy issues start coming home to roost? One thing that
3: has been um, surprising and, and quite pleasing is everyone's attitude to this crisis. Pe- people are just sitting back and waiting and everybody's working with each other. I think yeah. when we come out of the crisis, the same thing has to happen for the next six or 12 months. Everyone has to have an understanding that everybody's going to be strapped for cash no matter yeah. how good their business is. So um, time will tell whether we whether we turn into a society where as soon as we're allowed out of our houses, uh, it's going to be every man for themselves mm-hmm. or people are going to um, look at things practi- practically and reasonably and understand it's going to take some time uh, to get paid uh, and we've got to continue to work together. Now, which mm-hmm. way it will go, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but I hope it's the working together approach and everyone understanding. But if it's not, well, then it will be a field day for lawyers mm-hmm. and for insolvency practitioners. So well, I think, um,
1: Darren, I think that's um, that. That the probabilities of that happening will be heavily dependent on if people control their own destiny and are proactive about it. I think one of my earlier comments was everyone's absorbing what's happening. There's a crisis. There's government assistance, and we're in an absorb phase. But people who had walls of debt before this crisis comes still need to deal with that wall of debt. And you need to control your environment. And I think people will post this phase. If you um, control your stakeholders, you treat them with the respect, you take them on a journey, you can walk in their shoes and so they can walk in your shoes. The probabilities of having a collaborative business environment you know, in six months time are far greater than trying to be reactive and saying, what about me? I think people who, after you get through this short phase of absorbing, you then gotta get on the front foot and try and control your environment. And I think
3: I think one thing we, one thing everybody needs to understand and nobody's talking about, is that this benevolence by the banks and by the government, which I have found um, extraordinary, the amount of um, concessions and the money that the government is pumping in the economy, it cannot last. So it's going to stop. So what, prepare concern, for prepare for when it stops.
0: What, one of my concerns is we've got benevolence from the government. We've got benevolence from the banks. You know, I, I had a client this morning um, was basically forced to give a 50 cents in the dollar credit to one of their customers who was a, a large company who was saying, oh, because of Corona, we need you. We can only pay you 50 percent. I think. I think small businesses really need to stick together and pay each other. We'll move along to the next one because uh, we could we could talk a lot about these. Um, now this is one that I really interested to hear from Scott on this one. Drawing the line in the sand on banker benevolence. This was an article in the Fin Review a couple of days ago. And Scott, you're closer to it than I am. Is that if you're in asset management BC before Corona, uh, no special favors. Uh, you know now the banks are folks are trying to help people that are. In trouble because of Corona. What, what are you hearing out of the bad banks?
1: Um, I, I think that there. I think that the, there was an article in the paper earlier in the week that said that um, NAB had more inquiries in five days than they had from uh, this is individual loan than they have in a, a, in 12 months. So the, the inflow is 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 overwhelming for them to manage at the moment. And I think that um, them like uh, all of us are working on it. Um, on a staged basis, and at the moment, I think they're just trying to make sure that, that they can do what they can to help the borrower through this.
0: If you're on the brink of a deal that may have involved a little bit of a haircut, say four weeks ago, um, to me, the, the bank seems to have pushed that file to the side of their table. Is that is that just a one-off, or is that the way they're you know are they still working out their workouts or? I, I
1: don't I don't think they would. I wouldn't think that. I think that would be a one-off. They would still like to. They, 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 the plans they put in place and the, the processes they have in place, I think they will still execute on. Um, a- Absolutely. I don't think that changes, but yeah. it might it might be when they had this many files to deal with previously, it's now this many, and it might just take longer to, to, to process. But no, I, I believe that, that my, my take is, and I've got a few uh, files in similar positions, that the banks will absolutely stay the course on, on any deals done
2: pre-corona. On our side, we have seen one of the big banks has completely put a hold on any asset repossessions. Right. So unless you call the bank and say, I won't name the bank, um, I want to return my car because I've lost my job and I can't pay the lease. And I think that's the kicking the can down the road attitude. They're trying to put a stop to it. They can return the car. But at least one of the big banks is no longer actively chasing any repossessions for asset finance um, contracts. And I think that will filter through to some of the other big banks where they, again, they're trying to be the good guys in this situation as much as possible.
3: Can I just add to that, that the my understanding is that the New South Wales Sheriff's Office, uh, which does all of the residential and commercial um, evictions, uh, once an order for possession is obtained, has stopped scheduling evictions.
0: Right. I want to draw you in here, Patrick. I know that you're an equipment guy, but uh, I know that uh, these days virtually you sit next to your uh, commercial property guys. There's there's this one here: why bankers are sweating over the commercial property loan books, uh, and then I've also got this one here: house sales will collapse. Says UBS as it rips up its forecasts. Um, what, what's the chatter in the in the office there at Hyman's about about property and where it's headed? Yeah, well,
2: the the virtual chatter is that it's in in new south wales particularly the, the funders that we act for it seems to be pretty business as usual um it is hard to determine if those deals were already coming through the pipeline and are now just being settled or if they're, they're fresh but we have been asking the question and in new south wales it does seem they are still if the if the the idea of the loan still is supported by a tenant or by um the client having the legs and they're still writing those deals and that's right from banks right through to lower tier lenders Queensland, we have seen it, has definitely slowed and there is a, a lot more um, anti-risk behaviour in Queensland. Um, and Victoria, we've seen it we've seen it slow down similar to Queensland. So I don't know whether that's just our our client base that we service from a property valuation point of view, but our valuers are saying they haven't seen any particular slow in New South Wales, whereas Queensland and Victoria are definitely um, on sort of a similar setting.
0: Uh, what about in the West? I mean, I, I know uh, Scott. Maybe you've got the contribution next. I know you've still got your uh, your, your fingers on the pulse over West. I'm certainly hearing uh, uh, good things. You know, the mining sector seems to be holding up in all our mining services clients, etc. What what about property in the West? What what are you hearing?
1: Um, I think I think property in the West is probably similar to nationally. I think everyone's holding their breath at the moment, uncertain. Um the, the, the reports are so wide ranging from a, a 5% fall in property prices and I'm talking commercial, uh, sorry, residential to you know, some people are reporting 20 or so. I think that there is so much uncertainty at the moment that um, that everyone's holding their breath in the, in the property space to see how it's going to play out. But we don't think there's going to be, a, well, there's not going to be a lot of transactions over the short term. So therefore, we would think that we really need to break the sort of what the, the next three months to see what's actually going to happen with the property. But we don't think property prices are going to alter too much over the next short period of time, simply because there's not going to be a lot of activity. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a very much a holding pattern is the quarter minute view at the moment. My final
0: slide here is, uh, just to wrap up on this one, is um, uh, Robert Godlebson here. Coronavirus, six months is too long for a small business to survive. Six Which
1: months does sound like a long time. It's a it's a whole football season. and um, <laughs> As a reference point, Uh, it is an absolute long time. Uh, I I don't think it's a reference point that the government put out there very early on and obviously all their policies around it. Uh, My advice to small business in particular would be just because that's what the government's putting out there as their reference point doesn't mean that's what you need to do. It goes back to what I said at the the beginning. Have a cash flow, look at it every day and look at what you can adapt on a daily basis. Don't be thinking in six months time, I'm going to be in a new world. It's not going to happen. Uh, I think six months is a long, long time, and uh, I'd be looking, constantly looking to refine my business on how I can adapt, pivot, and work my cash flow, think about my customers. It's a daily basis, um, eating the elephant one bite at a time.
0: What do you think, Darren? I mean, how long do you think people
3: uh, can hang out
1: I, I think it goes back to my earlier point. If you've got
3: a terminal illness and they put you in a cryogenic chamber for six months, when they take you out of the cryogenic t- chamber, You've still got the terminal illness. Right. Um, just got time to try and work out how to deal with it during that during that period. Strong business, strong going in, um, can last six months. If you got to, if you had a lot of legacy debt and a lot of issues before you went into this, then start thinking about how you're going to restructure your business or close it down and start something new during this period because. You will never have this opportunity again.
0: To to, to elegantly dismount is uh... to elegantly
3: dismount. I think that's going to be the new term industry <laughs> uh, term, Scott. You've coined a new phrase today for everyone: the elegant dismount. We um... and, and Patrick.
2: Yeah, I think um, I think what Darren said earlier, it's going to heavily depend on if the current attitude of everybody helping each other um, right through all aspects is going to carry on in that when the 90-day lift happens or in the six months when we come out of it, um, you know, talking to a lot of commercial landlords of new insolvency jobs who've been looking at their attitude and even some landlords that we've dealt with before that would normally be quite aggressive. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how um, open they are to really doing whatever they can because I think they see that if they don't, uh, everyone in the chain doesn't play ball, then there's going to be no one at the other end um, and that's a problem for them as well. So... That's that. That's the, the the term I've been hearing is that kicking the can down the road and and then trying to figure out what that means at the end of the rainbow. Yeah, um, there's definitely an attitude change at the moment, but whether that'll still be there in six months when it's game on, it will really depend.
0: Well, the thing is, you're still clearing assets. People are still buying yep. stuff, and prices are still holding up. I mean, are you yep. just sort of crossing your fingers every morning, or you know, you're confident that you know that this is this is. Uh, You know, this is the interesting thing, I suppose, because you're thinking, you know, in six months' time, if this drags on, surely the prices won't hold up.
2: There's there's going to be a point, yeah, where we we have to basically make um, decisions based on the information that's available now. They're saying, you know, the current social distancing restrictions will be lifted in 90 days and movement, you know, only Queensland has their border closed, so we can only judge off what we think is going to happen and, and try and factor in the trends. But... Yeah, if it's still as it is right now in six months, I think asset prices have no. There's no choice but to for it to be really impacted.
0: Uh, Thank you very much uh, to everyone for for joining me. Thanks a lot, Scott. Really appreciate you uh, you, you joining in, Darren. Thanks, Patrick, thanks for the opportunity. Very much. And Patrick, uh, I think that we've uh, hopefully you think that we have found a good format uh, for a, a Friday afternoon lunchtime, and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again. So um, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you very much. And thanks, look forward to speaking to everyone again soon.
2: Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys.